Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer a Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer a Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When your entire life is online, you need more than just speed from your internet. Xfinity gives you reliable in-home Wi-Fi coverage, plus protection from Wi-Fi network threats. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. For the ones standing guard. For the eagle-eyed. For the knights in shining armor. And for all those who support them. We are Granger, your experienced safety partner. Offering supplies and solutions for every industry. Committed to helping keep your facilities safe. And your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com slash safety, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Here to talk to you today about the AFC wildcard game with the Titans. And joining us is Mike Miracles for the Know Your Foe episode, otherwise known as Mike Herndon. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing good. Doing good. How about yourself? Can't complain. Uh, appreciate you doing this. And uh, let's talk a little bit about the Titans. And you're the expert, obviously, on that. And I wanted to kind of bring us up to date on their season so far. Obviously, the Ravens played the Titans just, what, it was six weeks ago now? Seven weeks ago? Yeah, week six 11, weeks ago? I think. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. So uh, it's not like these teams don't know each other recently, and yet there have been some fairly substantial changes, at least for the Ravens since then, and I think probably for the Titans as well. But before we started getting into that, tell us where people can find your work. Yeah, so uh, broadwaysportsmedia.com is the website. It's uh, independently independently run and own uh, Nashville sports website we cover mostly titans yeah obviously titans are the big ticket team here but also some nashville predators and nashville sc uh the the mls team here so um we hit all that but but we really pride ourselves on being your one-stop shop for titans news analysis uh tape breakdown the whole thing so uh we've got a bunch of really talented guys a bunch of former uh football coaches that help us break down scheme and kind of give us some some insight there so uh 
if you're looking for information on the Titans, I, I think that's a, a great place for you to start and uh, and check it out. I'm a little biased, but I, I still think it's uh, it's a pretty good product there. No, that's that's okay. I, and you're at Mike Miracles on Twitter. That's right, at Mike Miracles on Twitter. If you want to uh, follow along as I uh, try to get some information out here over the next few days about this game and, and kind of the key matchups that I uh, I see forming here. Highly recommended follow, guys. For a lot of reasons, you ought to start building up a list of people that you trust and follow. And I think the Know Your Foe guests are some of the best to have on. They they tend to be highly analytic. They give good content. The more analytic you are, the less biased you are, typically, I have found. And and I, I really appreciate the perspectives we get from all of you guys when we have these shows, Mike. Yeah, I, I actually have tried to follow guys that you've recommended before from your show mm-hmm. because I, I like to get that perspective from other teams around the league. I, I think it helps when I, I come to looking at free agency. It comes to looking at, you know, opponents coming up that you maybe you're not as familiar with. Uh, I think that's really good to good to know. And I enjoy some of the follows that I've gotten off of, of your feed. So I appreciate that. All right, Mike. Appreciate it. Let's let's go back and let's talk a little bit about what's happened since. Obviously, one of the big news from the Titans is uh, Henry's ascension during these last few weeks and and uh, you know rise to two thousand yards. Yeah, he's uh he's really a unique, special guy. It's it's a lot of fun to watch him. Um, you know, he's he's been on this track and gaining steam now for I I feel like two and a half years. Right around two and a half years ago. Uh, midway through that 2018 season, he the light kind of clicked on for him, right? And if you listen to Titans fans and, and some of the Titans media, they there's a conversation that happened between Derrick Henry and Eddie George uh, around that time. Eddie George um, is, is still very connected to the Titans. Derrick Henry had been splitting snaps and really was was the backup, not backup, but he was the the B end of a one A one B rotation with Deion Lewis at that time, which is hard to believe right now, uh, just yeah. two years later, but he, he wasn't getting opportunities he wanted. He wasn't running with the authority uh, that a guy his size should have been. And he had a conversation with Eddie George that I know Derek Henry credits as a turning point And a lot of people do. Um, but since that moment, the light clicked on for him. He was really good at the end of that season. He picked up, obviously had a great year last year, winning the rushing title, but then this year, you know, even after all the touches and all the touches in the playoffs, you know, he famously had, you know, crazy playoff numbers, uh, you know, so one of the best rushing performances in NFL history in the playoffs uh, last season. He picked up right where he left off. He, there's no sign of slowing down. There's no sign of the workload getting to him, taking out his legs. He is he just ran for 250 yards to close out a 2000 yard season when he had almost 400 touches. The guy is an absolute machine. Conditioning-wise, he is really great at avoiding bad and awkward hits. He, he's mm-hmm. a guy that protects his legs very well, and that stiff arm that he's kind of famous for is a big part of that. He's able to use that length to keep guys off of his lower body and off of some of those hits that would normally hurt a running back in, in a crowd and in situations like that. He's been really fun to watch. I, I think the – thing that kind of gets lost with him in the size, the 6'3", the 250, the speed, you know, and being able to pull away from the secondary when he gets free. That's all fun, and that's all the stuff that makes the highlight shows, you know, with the stiff arm thrown in there too. Uh, but the stuff that's made him really turn into a special back has been the vision, the footwork, 
the the ability to read out those zone read runs that the Titans love to uh, love to throw at teams. So he he's got that all down. He's he's able to make his blockers right in front of him. You know, he's one of the only, or he is the only uh, two thousand yard rusher to ever hit that mark without having a single Pro Bowl offensive lineman in front of him. So it's wow. It's really I did not know that. Yeah, it's it's a unique uh, unique situation for him. All right. I want to, we have to take a commercial break here. I want to come back and ask you a question about Henry's footwork and the use of choppy steps versus long steps when we get back. All right, guys, real quick, I want to tell you about my bookie. As I always do, you know the promo code it's Ravens. Use the Ravens and they will match half of your deposit. So you deposit 100 bucks, they will give you a free $50. You deposit 500, they'll give you a free $250. All that is money that you can then put on the Ravens or another team and make money back. It's real easy to do. Head on over to my bookie and check it out. Uh, right now, the Ravens have a three and a half. Introducing the Lowe's list for innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry first two in one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. Point favorite, whether you agree or disagree, either way, it's a great time to put money on it. Uh, any game this weekend, lots of wild card games, plus you got the college championship game on Monday. It's a great time to hop on over to my bookie. And when you do, use that code Ravens that I mentioned so they'll match you halfway there with some free money. Enjoy. Back with Mike Miracles here, Mike Herndon, otherwise known as, but uh, follow, give him a follow on Twitter at Mike Miracles. Uh, wanted to ask you again about Derrick Henry and the use of choppy steps versus long steps. And he, and he definitely gives you that long stride look and definitely is a good open field, high end top speed that you expect from a back. The Ravens going back to a similar kind of season in 2003 from Jamal Lewis, who rushed for 2066, of course, and got shut down by Tennessee more or less in that playoff game. Uh, his his he did definitely had the long speed. But he also, what really made him a powerful runner was those short, choppy steps when he was in traffic, that he kept his stride very short and kept his legs churning, ran very hard. Yeah, and, and that's something that Henry has had to work towards, right? He, he is, by nature, a strider. He's got long legs. Uh, when you see him get in the open field, you really see him open that thing up, and, and he's got those, those long strides that help him you know, keep his distance from those uh, defensive backs trying to chase him down. But – uh, he's become much better in traffic, and he's it's something that he's worked closely with Tony Dews, the, the Titans running backs coach, with. His footwork has gotten way, way better since he's come into the league. It, it, you know, there's a famous video, and, and I, I'd have to go back to find it, but uh, from training camp, I think it was his rookie year, where he was running a drill, a footwork drill, and trying to step over pads, and he just he could not get through the drill. He kept kicking the pad over, and it just he, it was a mess. <laughs> Uh, and you see some of the stuff they do now, and and he's very, very – you would not expect his feet to be as good for the size back that he is and kind of the mold that he is, but he's got great feet. The jump cuts and stuff like that are extremely explosive. He's obviously a tremendous, tremendously strong individual, uh, but he's got some really nimble feet for a guy that, that plays with that kind of size and physicality. The Ravens going to have to build a lot of what they do defensively in order to stop – 
Henry, of course, they played with five defensive line or sorry, four defensive linemen last time and were missing both Campbell and Brandon Williams. It's well known by Ravens fans just how bad this run defense is without whenever Brandon Williams misses a game. So having him back will be, I think, a big deal. Uh, Calais Campbell, also obviously a, a, a big man in a lot of ways in terms of eating snaps, playing the run well, also providing some pass rush. But both teams have, have had changes. Tell us what's different about the Titans since their last matchup, whether that would give the Ravens fans hope or, or make them fear more. Yeah, so, um, you know, it's it's kind of an interesting deal with the Titans defense. They have been bad all year, but the bad has kind of shifted around, I feel like. Early in the year, the secondary was really the weak spot. They were playing, uh, you know, Jonathan Joseph was one of their starters. In the the Ravens' first matchup with the Titans, Breon Borders, who was kind of a, a street-free agent kind of guy that was sitting on the practice squad, was was their starter opposite Malcolm Butler. And I think they'd only had Desmond King for maybe – I can't remember if that was his first game or maybe his second game uh, as a Titan, but he'd only been in Nashville for maybe a couple of weeks uh, tops at that point. So those guys, you know, Desmond King settled in a little bit more. They've gotten a Dory Jackson back, which Dory Jackson certainly showing a little bit of rust over the past three weeks. He was out for the first, you know, 13 games of the season with a, a knee injury that kind of, it was really kind of a mysterious thing. He he tried tried to come back. I think re-injured it. They won't say one way or another, but it's still something he's dealing with. He's on the injury report. He's not practicing full weeks of practice. I think he'll probably play and, and probably start, but it remains to be seen how effective he's really going to be. But I still think even a, a hampered Adoree Jackson is probably a little bit better player than, than Breon Borders uh, was. But – so that, that's a little bit different. Jayon Brown obviously got injured in that game uh, with the Ravens. He came out, and, and his replacement in that game was actually Will Compton, who uh, you know a lot of people around uh, Nashville love as a podcast uh, personality. He is uh, Bustin' with the Boys podcast on Barstool Sports with Taylor Luan. is is very funny and, and fun to listen to. But as a linebacker, he's really kind of more of a special teams guy right now. He's not, he's not a guy you want playing a ton of snaps. David Long, the guy who was playing in that spot now, was on the COVID list at that time. He's now the full-time linebacker. He's the defensive play caller. He's a second-year guy, six-round pick out of West Virginia the year before, but smaller guy, 5'11", five, five about 220 pounds, but extremely physical for that size, very quick, very instinctive. Uh, he's very good at shooting gaps, and, and he's he's – he plays bigger than his size. You would think, you know, this guy's going to be a lightweight. He will come in and play with some some heavy hands and, and stun offensive linemen in the hole from time to time. He's not as physical as Evans, but he's probably a better linebacker right now than, than Evans, in my opinion. But uh, so David Long in, Jayon Brown out. It, it's a coverage uh, liability. Uh, Long is athletic, but he's not in, he's not instinctive in coverage. He's really more instinctive coming forward. It's something that he barely was asked to do in college. So he's still adjusting to that uh, side of the game at the NFL level. So those two are, are probably the biggest changes. And then on offense, uh, you know, the biggest change really on that side of the ball is uh, Ty Sambrello, who got hurt in the Ravens game as well for the Titans. Mm -hmm. He got knocked out for the year. So they are down to their third uh, left tackle for the season, which is David Questenberry, another guy who, you know, practice squad guy wasn't expected to play at all uh, is suddenly their starting left tackle and has been for the past uh, or really ever since that Ravens game. So 
Um, and he's an interesting guy, 30 years old, has been in the league for, I think, eight years, but has played had played only about 50, 60 snaps prior to right. that Ravens Prior game. to that Ravens game, yeah. I remember yeah. seeing it and thinking this is a big opportunity when he came in, and it didn't, didn't turn out so great. Yeah, you know, he actually – I thought he played really well coming off the bench in that game. Um, he, he had a couple reps against Ngakwe where he was one-on-one and, and was able to hold his own, which was impressive for a guy who, who barely played. Um, he's a good athlete. You know, you go back, he's an interesting story. Uh, came into the league as a fifth or sixth round pick out of uh, San Jose State um, for the Texans. He's an athletic guy. If you look at his combine uh, stats and, and kind of his movement – uh skills from I, I like to look at mock draftable and, and their like spider graphs and stuff his movement skills are really good or, or were when they were coming when he was coming in the league obviously 30 years old now maybe not quite at that level anymore <laughs> um but suffered a season inj- ending injury before his first game with the texans and then as he was battling back to to play in his second season was diagnosed with non-hodgkin's lymphoma and fought that for three years before finally working his way back to an NFL field into the Texans uh, practice squad and eventually played a couple games. as like a jumbo tight end kind of swing tackle uh, for them at the end of a, a season. And then he followed Brable to Tennessee where he's mostly been a practice squad guy. He's one of these guys. He's his teammates love him. Uh, he's great in the locker room. He knows what to do. He's a studious guy. Brable actually credits him with teaching his son, Tyler Vrabel, who's going to be probably an NFL draft pick, uh, if not this year, then the next, uh, a left tackle from Boston College. He credits David Questenberry with teaching Tyler how to play left tackle. That That is, hmm. he, he's a guy that he took him aside and kind of made him a, a personal project to kind of work with him. So he's a guy that gives a lot. He, he's a great story. He's a better, better story than he is a player to be clear. He's, he's not some, uh, some all-star that they've, uh, they've unearthed because of circumstances here. He's still susceptible. He's got balance issues. He's got technique issues, but he's a good enough athlete and he'll, he'll play hard uh, for them. And, and he hasn't been, there haven't been many games where you look at him and you go, man, that is just a crippling liability for this offense right now. They just cannot protect that backside. They've helped him quite a bit, uh, but that's to be expected when you have a guy like that come into the game. So I, I think he's a he's a liability. He's the weakest spot on the offense, but he hasn't been a huge problem for them to date. Okay, that gives us a great idea of some of the changes. So let's go back and talk about uh, the offense again. And Tannehill, we'll start with because he's the natural point. I'm he seems to be a guy I'm very afraid of. In multiple ways. I mean, obviously, his play action game is what he's just ruthless with in terms of having Henry and continually taking advantage of that. But Tannehill as a runner has been very scary frequently recently and against the Ravens and going back to last year's playoff game. Yeah, Tannehill, he's he's obviously the story on him. He he was a wide receiver at Texas A&M his first few years. And actually, I mean, he was a pretty successful wide receiver. He had a thousand yard season in college. Uh, and then he uh, turned to quarterback, which was what he played in in high school and was recruited as, uh, and and was obviously did well enough there to be drafted eighth overall by the Dolphins. The physical skill set is great. He 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 can run, 6'4", you know, two hundred ten pounds, good enough size. He's a little, a little on the thin side uh, for an NFL quarterback, but you know that hasn't. He's a tough as nails. So, I mean, he's not going to run anybody over really, but he will, uh, he will run hard and he's not afraid of contact uh, by any means, but really the, the thing that he brings to the table, he's got enough speed 
that when you get him out on these naked boots, when you get him into these read option runs, he can make you pay if you completely abandon him, right? It, it's not a, he's not going to kill you, but he can make you pay if you leave him alone. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what that reminds me of is Joe Flacco, when he was in Baltimore, they ran twice a game, I'd say, zone block left, naked boot right, where they've got you know a fake zone block play, run to the left, and they naked boot him to the right. With Flacco, that's that's much more much higher probability of being effective. It's probably true with Tannehill, too, when you don't completely fear the guy as a runner. Lamar Jackson tries to do that. It, it, I mean, he has to he has to then make a play on the one defender who will almost never be fooled. And when we do our offensive line scoring, we always say, you know, 91 not fooled or whatever the number of the backside edge defender, because it's almost always true now. Well, it's, it's something that we saw with Mariota when he was here, right? Mariota was a guy that people feared. Uh, his legs and part of that was that he was not as as uh, proficient with his arm as Tannehill is so a lot of teams in the Ravens I specifically remember the game that was played in Nashville in was it 2019 18. or 2018 18 that's yeah, right 11, yeah, yeah. 11 seconds right yes yes that's the one so that that play there was multiple times where they tried to run that naked boot out the back and Terrell Suggs was having none of it he was coming for Mariota the entire way because uh, they were looking for that. That's something that in the Titans still run that play. They, they run it just as frequently now as they did with Mariota. But part two things happen, right? Uh, you know, Mariota's not the quarterback anymore. It's Tannehill. Uh, and then Henry's emergence. If you don't close down that backside against Henry and you let him put that foot in the ground and let you over pursue and get upfield, he is a big time problem at that point. So being able to pursue those zone runs from the backside is important against Henry. And the Titans take advantage of that, right? They, they're able to punish you when you get, when you start over committing. And that's a field thing. That's a play caller thing. That's something Arthur Smith has become very good at picking up on. All right. They're starting to really kind of close down this backside. We need to give them a naked and, and show them that we can come out the back door. Um, and so that that's something Tannehill will do. And then these read options, to give you an idea on, on what Tannehill's done with his legs lately, he has five rushing touchdowns in the last three games. Wow. Um, yeah. So he is uh, – he and one of those was very long, but that's something that they do in the red zone. They do on the goal line. Those the, They'll put Tannehill on shotgun and give him a little read keeper with Henry, and so many people just take the dive with, with Henry. And then they, he, most of his touchdowns, he is literally walking in or skipping into the end zone, and yeah. there's nobody near him. Uh, yeah, it's it's a play that they get uncontested uh, a lot of times. So it's something to watch for, especially when they get down close. All right. So uh, we, we talked a little bit about the Sambrello exchange to Questenberry. I'm hearing a little bit of background noise there. Are we okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I uh, wanted to talk, take us through the offensive line from left to right, if you would, and just who's there right now for the Ravens to face this Sunday. Yeah, so uh, left or right, Questenberry, um, you know, we, we already hit on him. He's he's probably the weakest point in the offensive line, or he is the weakest point in the offensive line. That's that's the matchup that I think will keep people up at night in Nashville uh, is Ngakwe versus Questenberry. Um, okay. Then you've got uh, the, the left guard, Saffold. Uh, it sounds like he's going to play, or at least he says he's going to. Now, players all the time will say, I'm going to play. And then the trainers and coaching staff say, not so fast. Your ankle is nowhere near <laughs> to play on. So we'll see if he actually gets out there. Today, we got news that Aaron Brewer, uh, who is his backup at left guard, who played and started uh, the game in week 11 against the Ravens, 
he went on the COVID list today. So we will see whether or not he is going to be able to get off the list. It depends on if he was a close contact or if he was a positive test, if he was a close contact, when that close contact was, if it was Tuesday, he would have a shot. Uh, He did not practice yesterday. So I think that must've been related uh, because he was not, he was on the injury report with a DNP non-injury related. So there's a chance it was a Tuesday and he would be able to get, get cleared by game time but we'll see we've had a little experience with this in baltimore but it's it's it works retroactively i believe so monday if he had the close contact he certainly would have stayed uh, sat out on tuesday but if he practiced on monday they might have just figured it out on tuesday and when was the when was the did he have a facility closure or is that just the browns did did the titans continue to practice they, yeah, the Titans did not have a facility closure. So they had the trainer that tested positive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then yesterday, uh, Wednesday, Kevin Byard and uh, Aaron Brewer were both DNP, not injury related. Now, Byard returned to practice today and has not gone on the COVID mm-hmm. list, obviously. So he, I guess, is clear. And those, those may have been like contact tracing situations where they were looking sure. at it. And that would lean, lend itself to the idea that maybe – He's just a close contact of the trainer. They're going to monitor him. And if he's still good by Sunday, he could get out there. So that'll be something that's interesting to watch, especially if Saffold can't go. Uh, yeah, Brewer, Brewer, kind of a fascinating guy, way undersized yeah. for an NFL guard at 270 pounds. And it just it's it's remarkable that he can function at the position going against really big bodies. When, when they brought him into training camp, I, I went back and looked at his uh, tape from Texas State. And, and obviously, the tape looks really good. I mean, as you'd expect for any guy at that size to make it into an NFL training camp, you have to have some really good tape out there. Uh, and, and it was very impressive. Now, I was extremely skeptical, skeptical that he would make the roster or even the practice squad. He ends up making the 53-man roster. They did not bother he was the only undrafted free agent to make the 53-man roster out of the titans camp which was a shocker to me i I just thought there was no way um so he's on the 53-man roster and then when saffold first goes down earlier in the season uh they bring him in instead of jamil douglas who had been the guy that was really their swing interior lineman he plays center he'll play guard you know wherever wherever they need to plug him in they plug uh douglas typically and Douglas is not a very good player. Uh, so it's not like they're finding so – they're, it's not like they're putting Brewer in over somebody who's really a great backup. But Brewer getting the nod for that Ravens game was pretty surprising around here. And and Brewer played really well in that game, mm-hmm. you know, especially considering what he is as a rookie, as an undrafted guy, as a, a guy that's 6'1", 270 pounds. So extremely rare body type, really athletic, plays with great leverage, as you'd expect. Um, and, and really is is a high effort player too. So I think he's going to struggle a lot uh, with Brandon Williams, who's going to have almost a hundred pounds on him. Uh, you know, Clay's Campbell, who's got seven inches of height and who knows how much length on him. I think he's going to struggle with this matchup a lot more this time around than he did last time if he is forced to play. But the the Titans obviously are hopeful they get Saffold back, who. Has been dealing with his ankle for for several weeks now. Has been playing well when he gets on the field, but he's had to come out of multiple games. It's it's something that's been a, a struggle for him to get through uh, a full game out there. So we'll we'll see what happens at that left guard spot. But that's one that's one spot to watch. 
Ben Jones uh, uh, been playing all year at center, playing pretty well. Yeah, Ben Jones is playing really well. I think he's PFF's fourth highest graded center if you uh, you know buy PFF's uh, grades. Um, I, by the eye test and by studying the tape, I can tell you Ben Jones is in that class of, of the best centers in the NFL right now. He's He plays extremely well. He's not particularly big, not particularly strong, not particularly athletic. He's athletic enough to make those kind of – you know, zone blocks, climbing to the second level, that kind of thing. He's really, really effective at, at kind of making these cut blocks on linebackers at the second level and, and getting down and just chopping them down to the ground. That's something he does really well. Uh, he's he's just an extremely smart, extremely effective center. Um, so he's, he's playing really well in there. And then right guard is the guy, Nate Davis, second year out of uh, Charlotte, third round pick for the Titans last year was absolutely terrible when he got pushed into action uh, as a rookie early on, got better as the season went on. By the time the Titans hit the playoffs and Henry was really cooking, uh, Nate Davis was playing really good football and that has carried over this year. He's playing even better. Um, He's a prototypical guard build, thick legs, you know, just, just a block of a man at at six, three, three and and moves really well, carries that size well. So He's a powerful lower body guy, going to move some bodies in the middle of that defense. And, and he's he's the guy that I think has really kicked it on for the Titans this year. It really, uh, you know, Jeffrey Simmons, A.J. Brown, you know, they're, the Titans rookie class from 2019 is tremendous. Uh, but Nate Davis really is probably the most improved out of that entire group. And, and he's turned into a guy that I think will probably be a Pro Bowl guard within the next two to three years. He, he I think he had an argument this year uh, based on the way he played Um, right tackle next to him, Dennis Kelly, long guy, kind of a career backup. Uh, He's been the Titan swing tackle for, for the past four years before this season uh, when they let Jack Conklin walk uh, to Cleveland and brought Kelly back. Now Kelly had replaced Conklin several times as in his role as a swing tackle and including at the end of 2018, when Derrick Henry started to break out, Kelly was actually the guy that was playing right tackle at that point for the Titans. And he was playing really good football for them down the stretch. So I think the Titans came to that crossroads with, with Conklin this past off season. And they decided we're going to, we're going to bring back Kelly for 7 million a year and let Conklin walk uh, at his uh, whatever he got 14, 15 million a year. So they, they ended up getting, a guy that's given them probably 90, 95% of what Conklin did, but at you know half the price or less. So I, I think that's been a good move for them from a asset management standpoint, but Kelly's not a, not as good as Conklin is by, by any stretch of the imagination, but he is long and he does, he does a, an effective job at right tackle. So uh, Ravens fans know it by the old Ozzie New- Newsom saying 80% of the player at 20% of the price, something he really lived by in terms of allowing a lot of free agents to walk. Kelly, really interesting player at age 30, had never played a full season before. He'd played stretches of three or four games at times, probably always coming in as an injury replacement. But you have to go back to his rookie year that he had any significant playing time or you know more than five games in a year, I'll say. Uh, and this year now, all of a sudden, he's played them all. Yeah. Yeah. He's um, he's he's a funny guy that when John Robinson got to Nashville in 2016, one of the very first things he did was traded away their 2015 second round pick, Dorio Greenbeckham, 
uh, who, you know, the Titans had traded up to get, I think he was the number 40 pick in that draft. He was, you know, this big wide receiver, you know, obviously looked like a guy that had all the tools. I think he's like 6'5", 220, could run like a deer, all, all everything you want, uh, but didn't have it upstairs. He, he just was a guy, he was a problem off the field. He, he wasn't very bright. He couldn't get lined up in training camp correctly at times. Um, so they traded Doriel Green back. But at that point, he had done some things that that rookie year where it, he had played enough and had shown some flashes and the fan base was still kind of like, okay, we're going to figure out how to develop this guy into a real player. They traded him almost immediately for Dennis Kelly, who is this backup offensive lineman from the Eagles who had never really started before. And everybody, I mean, Titans fans went crazy. They were ready to run John Robinson out of town immediately. Well, the funny thing is Dennis Kelly has as many touchdown pass has, has as many touchdown catches as Doriel Green Beckham since that trade. <laughs> uh, he actually caught a couple touchdowns for them last year in his role as the swing tackle. He caught one against the Chiefs in the playoffs. Uh, he caught another one during the regular season, but in uh, he's turned into a good right tackle. So they obviously won that trade by quite a bit. I, I want Ravens fans to remember how much all of you guys or a lot of you guys out there wanted DGB going into that 2015 draft. The Ravens ended up getting uh, Perriman, who was not good by any stretch, but is is still now in the league and a better receiver, obviously, than Doriel Greenbeckham, who might be working for Amazon now. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what happened. I, the last I'd heard, and not to you know pile on DGB yeah. at all, but the last I'd heard of him, he was getting arrested for something. So. It's it's not been good for him. You know, obviously he had his issues coming out and those have not gone away from, from what I understand, but that's uh, that's one of those things you see a trade like that and people go nuts. And then five years later, the Titans have a starting right tackle who, you know, they can rely on game in and game out and, and green back of is nowhere to be seen. Yeah, it's, that's, a, that's a move you're not unhappy with, I'm sure. <laughs> the fact. Okay, great explanation of the offensive line. We got through Tannehill. We talked a little bit about Henry already. Take us through kind of some of the receiving cores or other key injuries on offense I also want to get to. And I, I apologize if, I'm, if I'm, you're hearing some pacing need in my, in my voice here, but maybe we, could, we should try and go a little faster. And I apologize. Some of that's my fault. No, no problem. Um, so obviously from a receiving standpoint, <clears throat> Titans start start with AJ Brown. They, that's their go-to guy. Um, he put up another thousand-yard season, uh, despite missing a couple games early in the the year with a knee bone bruise, and then he's been dealing with an ankle issue for really the past five or six weeks. Uh, he's been playing through it and playing through it effectively. Obviously, he had you know, eleven catches, one hundred and fifty yards, and a touchdown last week, and, and really saved them on that final drive with that bomb from Tannehill. Mm-hmm. But uh, he is, you know, every bit a, a superstar receiver. He, he's, his elite ability is probably after the catch. He is a bear to tackle. He's a 226-pound receiver. So he, he is a lot to bring down. And, and obviously that showed up in the first matchup with the Ravens when he, he broke the tackle and then carried three guys into the end zone for, for that touchdown that put the Titans up late. That is his biggest power, but he's also become a really, really nice route runner. He's got great hands. He, he attacks the ball in the air. He does it all uh, for the Titans, and he's really a, turned into a very, very good NFL receiver. Corey Davis is a guy that's the lights come on for him this year a little bit. He's should have probably had a thousand yard receiving yet receiving season. He had a bad game against the Texans with a bunch of drops, uh, which has been uncharacteristic for him this year, but 
he's another guy, good size, good speed, good after the catch. Uh, he's, he's a tough, tough matchup. Those, those two guys are really the focal point right now in the Titans receiving core though. Khalif Raymond is not very involved. Cam Batson is currently filling in for Adam Humphreys in the slot. Humphreys is out with a concussion. I don't expect him to be back this week. Uh, so it's probably gonna be Batson. Who's a speedy guy. He, he does some things for you. He had a few nice plays against the Ravens uh, the last time they played, but he's not a big threat. It's going to, the, Passing offense is going to flow through Brown and Davis. Um, and John Smith is probably your third tier uh, really pass catcher in that group. He's he's another size, speed, uh, and athleticism after the catch guy. So it, you can kind of see the mold that the Titans built this offense with. It is a very difficult to tackle offense. You need to bring your physicality to this game because they are going to be difficult to bring down. They are not going down on, on an arm tackle. The annoying guy uh, from the Titans this year, I, I don't remember if he was playing in the playoff game or not, but Anthony Ferkser has been a guy who's who's given the Ravens some trouble. Talk a little bit about him and how he fits in the offense this year. Yeah, he's he's kind of a third down pest. You know, he he's the guy that's going to get free on on third and and eight and and be you know just past the sticks and make the catch and convert and kind of extend drives. That's that's really his role. Um, he's a good route runner. Uh, very smart guy, very good feel for zone coverage and very good feel for beating man coverage. He has a, a basketball background and he compares route running to being a point guard and kind of the moves that he would need to make to free himself up in the lane. So he's he's got a, an interesting, uh, you know, he's a Harvard guy. He was a fullback actually at one point for the Jets uh, before the Titans moved him back to tight end. He played wide receiver for Harvard at one point. So He's not a blocker uh, by any means. He's he's not a very physical guy, but he's a really nifty route runner, great hands, great, great contested catch ability. So he he is a pain in the butt on third downs, no doubt about that. All right. The Raven, the MZ Ravens will face a lot of 12, some 13 from the Titans. You I think you mentioned they run about 40% 11. Yeah, it's about 40% 11 uh in the rest is mostly 12. They'll do some 13. They'll do some 21. They, they've got a fullback Kari Blossing game that they like. Uh, so they're going to give you some, some different looks uh, personnel-wise, but it is mostly heavy packages. They are not a – they don't – and especially lately, they with Humphreys not being in the picture, Batson is not better than, than Ferkser or not better than Blossing game. And some of these other options – that they have, they're more effective when they have other players on the field besides their slot receiver. So you'll really probably only see 11 on third down. That, that's really the only time they're going to bring that out. Okay. So one of the questions for the Ravens is whether or not they activate five cornerbacks for this game uh, or whether they activate a third safety so they can play, can play some time defense. But I think on the early downs versus 12 or 21, we probably see lots of base package. Uh, there's really not a lot of need probably to play big nickel the way you might versus some in between teams that have 12 with a real split tight end am i gathering that correctly they don't have a they don't have a travis kelsey or a uh you know a mark andrews who's going to be a really big receiving threat from tight end right yeah i mean john smith is the closest thing to that and he is a He's a very good athlete. Now he's not the route runner that, that a Travis Kelsey is. That's the thing that that kind of holds him back. He is straight line speed, you know, excellent. He's a powerful guy, uh, but he is not as as you know quick and shifty as some of those guys. So I, I would say 
Honestly, I, I think he matches up. He probably plays better when you do put a corner on him because he's able to use that physicality and, and he's tough to tackle after the catch. So I, I think you're better off putting a bigger player on Johnny Smith. He, you know, he's not necessarily going to run away from you, uh, though he is athletic, but he's not he's not a burner by any means. All right. All right, well, let's move over to the defense. And, and I always like to start with – how do the Titans like to line up defensively versus teams that are playing 12-21? And then on third downs, obvious passing situations, what do they shift to? Yeah, so the Titans, uh, their typical base for for 12-21 uh, early down work is going to be a 3-4 most of the time. Now, lately that has shifted mostly due to personnel concerns into kind of a hybrid 4-3 under slash, you know, 3-4 with an elephant in kind of situation. So they're they're playing Jack Crawford almost as an end with uh, generally Jeffrey Simmons, um, Daquan Jones, and then maybe either, uh, you know, maybe Tier Tart uh, if he is able to come off the COVID list, which he's a guy that, that I think is a very interesting player. Um, if he's able to play, he's a, he's a difference maker for them. Um, but we'll see, we'll see whether he gets off the list or not. He went on on Sunday. So it's, it's a close contact or a positive test question for him. Um, but, uh, yeah, they're going to play mostly three, four base on early down 12 personnel. Now with the caveat that against the Ravens, they tend to play a little bit differently. They, they don't play as much. Um, you know, in the past two matchups, they don't play as much base defense against the Ravens. They are going to play a little bit more nickel, a little bit more of their big dime uh, sets, even against some heavier personnel. They, I, I went actually went back and watched uh, the last game and kind of studied that today. And and they, as the game went on, they matched personnel less and less. They started to just leave nickel. Uh, leave big dime out on the field for bigger stretches, despite the Ravens bringing in uh, whether it be a fullback or, or multiple tight ends. So um, that's that's something that I think we'll probably see. Okay, so two two terminology elements you use there. I always love to do these because everybody uses their own. But big dime is a three 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 safety three corner dime as opposed yep. to a four corner dime. Okay, right. and. Elephant end means instead of an outside linebacker on one end of a three, four, you're leaving one at your five tech, perhaps as the outside guy dropping an outside linebacker off the line of scrimmage where you normally wouldn't have him possibly to cover. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And Harold Landry is the guy that they actually drop off the line of scrimmage, which is kind of counterintuitive because he's their best pass rusher, Mm -hmm. but he is very much athletic enough to do it. And he really does it very well. It's, it's funny. Landry is, he hasn't turned into the pass rusher the Titans hoped he would be, but he's a very good all around football player. Uh, and, and he does a nice job in the run game. And the Titans actually ran a good bit of like a three, three stack look uh, in hmm. that, that initial matchup during the regular season with three down linemen and then Landry backed up with Evans. And at the time, I think it was mostly Compton, but now it'll be obviously be long, uh, just stacked up behind the defensive line and just kind of trying to pack the middle and spill everything outside. So um, it, I'll be interested to see if we see more of that look. I would guess that we will. Huh. Okay. Well, that, that'd be something different. And you know, one of the things we've kind of talked about is that the Ravens, obviously the Titans figured out how to beat the game out of the pistol where Lamar was generally going to be a threat to the outside in last year's playoff game. And 
one of the points that I've kind of made is that I think the Titans need to refigure it out on defense this year because the Ravens are really running most of their offense out of sidecar or king queen, some people call it, uh, where they'll they'll try and have the running back be the outside threat, Lamar the threat up the middle, but they also can bring in a third threat, a third threat from a jet motion guy. And mm-hmm. they've even been doing some of that with Pony, but some of it also with Devin Duvernay, the wide receiver uh, in, in jet motion as well. So I, it's interesting to hear how they might, you know, attempt to defend that. Yeah. I'll, I'll be interested to see that as well. I, I think the Titans seem to be of the opinion, and I know this is a strategy that other teams have used as well, but they seem to be of the opinion that against the Ravens, they need to get as much speed on the field as possible uh, to be able to confront what Lamar in that kind of spread option, you know, offense really brings to the table. Because, eh? you know, you get Lamar in space against uh, some of these, you know, defensive end types, and there's just no contest. The guy doesn't have a hope of making a play. So what's, what's he doing out there? Um, so they, they definitely went smaller in the earlier matchups. One guy to, to – kind of keep an eye on Derek Roberson has been out the last few weeks. Derek Roberson played a lot against the Ravens uh, the last time they played. He's the other outside linebacker opposite Landry. Um, I think he'll probably be back this week. And I think it's probably pretty important that he is because the other guys that they've been playing in his place, Wyatt Ray, Brooks Reed, uh, some guys like that. I think they might have Nate Orchard uh, come up for this game. He's one of their protected players on the practice squad this week. So they're looking at options there. That's been a weak spot for them. But Roberson is by far the most athletic of that group. And he, from a defending Lamar Jackson standpoint, I think you absolutely have to have athletic edges because if you have a guy that he can isolate in space and just run around, it, you're, you're going to get killed on that side. So I think Landry and Roberson both being on the field helps them have a little bit better hope of defending some of those uh, option read plays that the the Ravens like to bust out. All right. Terrific stuff here. Uh, Let's talk about the back end a little bit and make sure we've covered each of the players back there. Obviously, some of the Titans' terrific talent back there with Kevin Byard is a name we don't want to see. We don't want to hear it all on Sunday. (laughs) Yeah, Byard is, uh, you know, he's having a down year. Um, relative to his previous seasons, and, and not just from an interception standpoint. He only has one interception this season, but he's been, you know, he just looks a little bit out of sorts, and, and a, it's been a question around Nashville all year, kind of what's going on with Kevin Byard. He's played better lately, I feel like, but I think he he's a guy that really misses Dean Pease. He, he always talked a lot about Dean Pease's tip sheets uh, and, and kind of the information that he would give him to study during the week and that that helped him make a lot of plays and that helped him see a lot of stuff. The Titans don't have a defensive coordinator right now. They chose to uh, promote basically Shane Bowen, their outside linebackers coach uh, to defensive play caller. He's not got the DC title. Uh, Brable's more involved this year than he has been in years past, but it is uh, it's not gone well. (laughs) The, The Titans defense is among the worst in the league. And I think that is reflected in Byard's play. I don't think he's as his superpower. He's not a, a size speed guy. He is a extremely intelligent football player. Um, he plays hard. He, he understands technique, that kind of thing. But he is mostly gets by on instincts and intelligence and film study and knowing where he's going before, you know, the offense does. Uh, so he's, I think been a step slow this year. And I think it's related to 
the change in defensive voice in the room. And, and I don't think he's getting, I don't think he's as comfortable uh, this year without Dean Pease uh, as he has been in years past. Sorry about me. It was all my fault. Didn't had myself on mute. Appreciate that, Mike. Uh, the thing about Bayer that's bothered me in the past is how read-like he is on the back end, that that he is very much doesn't just think about how do I need to cover this receiver? How do I need to disrupt this pass? It's more like, what what am I going to do when this pass is overthrown? Mm-hmm. And really being in the right spot to to make a play on the football, and we, you know, we saw that with the the interception that was tipped by Andrews last year in the playoff game. That was the beginning of the end in that game, uh, in terms of the Ravens never really being caught up at any point after that. And uh, you know, it was it was a it was a big turning point. Kevin, it's not the first time Kevin Byard's intercepted the Ravens by any by any stretch. I'd have to go back and look and see how many times, but I bet it's been three, four, five times in his career already. Yeah, I think he had either two or three picks against Flacco in one of the games in Nashville. Um, and I think he actually picked off Flacco in the game uh, that they played the blowout uh, with the 11 sack game. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, he's kind of, and frankly, he's haunted Flacco. <laughs> Even in Denver, he yeah. picked off Flacco, uh, but he uh, he's a really good player. I, I still think he's a, a good player. He's just had not quite as good a season. Now, what they've done against the Ravens, especially on third downs typically, is they will put they will match up Byard on Andrews. And, and, and Byard likes to be very physical in his man coverage. When they do go to man, they like to get Byard down there on Andrews because I think they trust him uh, more than anybody uh, to be able to slow him down. But uh, that's a matchup that I think will, will be very interesting to watch, and especially with – the Titans are very comfortable with their third safety, Monty Hooker, who played uh, a lot in the regular season matchup because Kenny Vaccaro was out uh, for that game. So that was a lot of a lot of Hooker and Bayard together. Hooker is not the physical player that, that Vaccaro is, but he is a very good coverage player, very instinctive. He's he's kind of like Bayard in that way, and he actually is tied for the team lead in interceptions this year with four despite the fact that he only plays about 30 to 40% of the, the team's total snaps in the game. So he is very opportunistic defensively. Um, so he's a guy that I think is going to play a lot in this game because, you know, like I said, they, they're going to want to get a lot of speed on the field. They trust him. They trust, you know, Bayard and Vaccaro, obviously. I think you're going to see a lot of the three safety looks from the Titans in this matchup with Vaccaro really functioning almost as a linebacker uh, in this defense. So I, I'm, interested to see kind of how they approach using all three of those safeties this time. Cause last time they, they only had two at their disposal. Mm-hmm. The Ravens certainly will need to make them pay for that if they do. And I just looked up Bayard four career interceptions against the Ravens and I think it's four games. So very impressive, obviously uh, it's that's some great stuff. Now you talked a little bit about the safeties. Let's go, let's move out to corner and Adoree Jackson and, and Malcolm Butler now starting this game is better than where the Ravens were, sorry, where the Titans were last time around. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Butler's had a great season, honestly. He's uh, he's t- he's the guy that's tied with Hooker for the team lead with four interceptions. He's really, you know, Butler can be beat, uh, especially in zone coverage. When they when they put him into, you know, especially particularly when he's in cover three or when he's in quarters, he really has a hard time losing guys and losing route combinations. So I, I think when they do drop in zone, attacking Butler is to me, a good idea. Um, now he 
also is he's kind of a wild card, right? He likes part of the reason he gets beat a lot in zone is because he likes to cheat. Uh, and he likes to read the eyes of the quarterback and try to jump passes. So that's part of the reason he has interceptions. That's part of the reason he gets beat a lot. Now, when he is an impressed man, I think he's very, very good. He's physical. Uh, he, he's mm-hmm. kind of got that junkyard dog mentality that, that he wants to be in your face at all times. Uh, and that's how he plays. What you just described from Butler, very similar to Marcus Peters in terms of a guy who really looks to jump routes, does not have all the speed that maybe other cornerbacks do, but but very opportunistic. The thing about Peters that's so impressive to me is what a good gambler he is. Is that true of Butler as well? Uh, I don't think he's as good as Peters. I, I think Butler gets beat at a higher rate than Peters and probably doesn't get rewarded with the picks at, at the rate that Peters does either. Uh, but they are very similar in that mindset. They are looking to make plays. Um, and, and Butler is – that one other thing that stands out about the Titans' corners is they're both very physical tacklers. They're very good coming up against the shorter throws and getting guys on the ground, not allowing big run after the catch opportunities. And they're good in run support as well, Butler and, and Adore Jackson as well. Um, and Jackson is, is an interesting guy to watch. Obviously, tremendous athlete. Um, but he's been dealing with this knee injury we kind of talked about earlier all season. I don't think he's 100%. He's still being held out of practices, and they're really trying to get him to game day. Uh, at this point, it's not a, you know, and, and he just, he's barely practiced this season. It's a lot of, it's a lot to put on him uh, after barely playing, barely practicing all year. He's going to have to go out there and, and hold down one side of the field for them in, in a playoff game. But, you know, he's a really good athlete when he's on his game. He's among the best corners in the NFL, in my opinion. I, we saw him against the Ravens last year. He had three tremendous pass breakups. Uh, in that matchup. So I, I think when he's on his game, he can be very, very effective. It's just it how close to 100% where will he be on Sunday? And it is really impossible for us to know. Now, this is a little bit off topic, but I remember Adoree Jackson getting a carry against the Ravens on maybe the first play of the game, second play of the game kind of thing. Yeah. Did that ever come back to you or go back to play anymore running back? No, that, that was something that kind of died with uh, Mike Malarkey. Uh, that was something that he was doing quite a bit with. And, and Adore Jackson was their kick returner and punt returner at that point as well. That's something that Vrabel has moved him away from. I, I think he wants him to focus on playing cornerback and being the best corner that he can be and not complicating his life with, with offense and, and special teams responsibilities. So um, that's something that they've moved away from entirely. All right. It's a terrific under you know layout you've given us for the entire Titans team here is there a player you think that really matches up well against who the Ravens have to offer on the other side that that can give the Ravens fits in this game I think one guy that I'm interested in watching is going to be Jeffrey Simmons versus the interior of that Ravens offensive line I I think the Ravens offensive line has played much better obviously in recent weeks but during that first matchup I felt like Simmons and also Tier Tart uh, to some degree, were able to kind of get some big-time penetration. They were able to get disruption in the Ravens' backfield by beating the, that center and guard combination in there. So I think Simmons Simmons is the Titans' most talented defender. Now, he, he doesn't, he's been dealing with a knee injury. He hasn't always been 100% this season. I think that saps some of his ability. But if you go back and watch some of the early stuff from this season, you know, the Vikings game, that that time frame early in the season when – uh, he was 100% healthy. He can be a game changer on the inside of the, the defensive line. So I think him against that that Ravens interior is one of the biggest matchups of the game. And I think the Titans absolutely have to win that matchup if they're going to win this.
Yeah. Okay. That's, that's great stuff. Uh, let's tell people again where they find your stuff. Yeah. So broadwaysportsmedia.com is the website. And then on Twitter, you can follow me at, at Mike Miracles. Okay. You'd be a fool not to, folks. Make sure you give him a follow, at least until this game is done. You want to make sure you get good Titans information uh, right up until game time. Uh, visit filmstudybaltimore.com, if you will. we got all the normal stuff out there this week, the offensive and defensive articles, the off- and de- offense and defense podcasts are out by the numbers. be coming out tomorrow. Uh, and we've got great stuff up in the gallery. Take a look at that because there's been some uh, great new stuff, the offensive line scoring, and uh, in addition, a number of charts about Lamar Jackson and about ample time and space in the pocket. So interesting stuff there. I hope you give that a, a, a visit. And Mike, thanks again for joining us. This is just terrific stuff. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me. All right. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch, now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.